Hello and welcome to the podcast summary of the IWSB meeting held in Hong Kong on September the 19th to the 23rd, 2016. My name is Bev Bowman and I'm the Acting Technical Director and I'm joined by Professor Arnold Schulder, Chairman of the IWSB, and IWSB members Fiona Campbell, Rich Sharko, Megan Zitzman, Annette Kohler and Ron Solol. It is fitting that we are holding our meeting to discuss so many important topics in the same week as the Auditor of Proud. So welcome all. Arnold, could I ask you to start with an overview of this week's meeting? Of course, Beth. Uh, thank you very much. If I look back on this week in Hong Kong, first of all, let me express how grateful we are to the Hong Kong Institute of CPAs for hosting us this week so well. It was, in a way, a very relaxing meeting because they provided such facilities, including some relaxing music. And we really had to deal with a number of tough topics, and you will hear much about them soon. Um, ISF 40 on fair value estimates, critical discussions this week in moving forward, Rich will update. Uh, we also agreed to a project proposal to revise ISA 315 the very key standard on risk assessment. We had a lot of discussion led by Megan Seatsman about the comments that we received on the invitation to comment on enhancing audit quality. So that is about professional skepticism, quality control and group audits. And Megan will speak to that, but also Annette on professional skepticism. Uh, and that's in a very interesting group because it includes uh, members from the uh, sister boards on ethics and education. And uh, finally, we also concluded on a consultation document on agreed upon procedures. Uh, it's a very important topic for many of our stakeholders, and Ron will come back to that one. And as if that were not enough, we also listened to our deputy chair, Chuck Lenders, who uh, updated the board on the revised COSO framework. And that has a lot of impact on uh, some of the standards that I just mentioned before. And then we also got an update from Del Montgomery, who is chairing our uh, audit reporting implementation support group about the very stimulating uh, developments and global take-up of the new audit reporting standards and um, the support that this group is giving to many around the world that, of course, have questions and need further assistance. But let me conclude with that we had to say goodbye to our technical director, um, Cathy Healy. Cathy has served the board so very well over 10 years, and I think she masterminded also our invitation to comment uh, and many other work. So um, she's now moving to a new job. And of course, we wish her very well, but we are very, very thankful for her hard work and dedication to global standard setting in the best public interest. Thanks, Beb. Thank you, Arnold. As you mentioned, a key focus of this week's discussions are the efforts to revise two substantial ISAs, both ISA 540 um, and ISA 315. The discussions on both of these topics illustrated the need for further clarification in the standards for understanding the testing of controls, as well as um, lots of issues around identifying and assessing risks of material misstatement when the auditor is planning his work efforts. Rich, 
Can I turn to you as chair of the ISA 540 Task Force? To um, The ISA 540 Task Force has been working very hard on producing proposals for the board's considerations. Can you tell us a bit about the key discussion points and decisions made by the board this week? Thanks, Bev. The task force has indeed been working hard. We've conducted over 20 outreach activities since the project proposal was approved in the last nine months. And we've had many task force meetings and teleconferences to move forward with the issues as quickly as we can. As you know, the IWSB is trying to accelerate its work with ISA 540 in light of the impending adoption of IFRS 9 around the world, which may result in some fundamental changes for how certain accounting estimates, credit losses and banks are accounted for. There were comments made on the definitions, risk assessment, work effort paragraphs, and documentation requirements, but let me give you a few key points we discussed. How ISA 540 can best address scalability. The IWSB was not generally in favor of the task force's suggestion that simple estimates that don't have estimation uncertainty, complexity, or judgment should be dealt with under ISA 330. Other comments were made that some practitioners may benefit from more guidance on the types of procedures that may be warranted and how these procedures are responsive to the risks around accounting estimates. Also, we discussed how best to articulate the work effort. We're continuing to explore different ways of explaining what an auditor is required to do regarding certain accounting estimates. The two focus areas for the board this week were the level of prescription of the procedures that may be undertaken and how to draw the link between the enhanced risk assessment procedures the IWSB has explored and the work effort requirements. We brought back a revised set of key work effort paragraphs today and received general support for the revised approach. The task force will consider several questions raised by board members, including on whether a threshold is still needed. Thank you, Rich. Um, I think listeners to this podcast may be interested in the timing. Um, Arnold, perhaps you could give us an assessment of what the likely timeline for the ISA 540 could be. Uh, thanks for that easy question. Um, let me first make a more general comment. On one hand, we know there is a lot of interest with our many stakeholders for getting our new and revised standards coming out as quickly as possible. And it's fair to say that we feel a bit of that timing pressure. That certainly goes also for ISA 540. And uh, as Rich said, knowing that IFRS 9 is coming, we are really very dedicated to finalize this in December this year as an exposure draft. But in all fairness, there are still many important issues that we further need to discuss. It's a complex standard. It needs to do justice to a complex reality. So we do our very best, including a teleconference with the board in between. Um, and then we have to see whether indeed we can finalize that. Because the other part of the equation is that our standards need to be very fit for purpose over a number of years. They need to be balanced. They need to be accepted by people for whom much of the content might be new. So that takes time. And I'm pleased with the support of our consultative advisory group, so ably led by Matt Waldron, that yes, they need to be robust. Yes, they need to be timely. But you need to take the time to reflect 
and also the Public Interest Oversight Board, uh, on one hand, emphasizing the importance of the timeliness of, in particular, 540. On the other hand, of course, appreciates that we need to do a very good job in, in drafting the standards as best as we can. Thanks. Thank you, Arnold. Fiona, I'll turn to you now. As chair of the ISA 315 Task Force, perhaps you could tell us a little more about the board's discussions about the work of your task force on the issues that have been prioritised, primarily relating to ISA 540 that we've just heard about, but also there were some other issues that were discussed. Sure, Bev. Thank you. Firstly, we're really pleased the board has approved the project proposal subject to a few agreed changes. And this project proposal sets out the work we intend to carry out to enhance the risk assessment process. The three issues that the IAASB were asked to consider with respect to ISA 315 project were related, <coughs> were related to the components of internal control relevant to the audit, significant risks, and the proposal related to a spectrum of risk. The board provided the following feedback related to the discussion on the components of internal control relevant to the audit. Firstly, there was support for the ISA 315 task force to continue to explore scalability within the requirements to understand internal control. The board noted that it was important for there to be a clearer link between the overarching requirement in ISA 315 to understand internal control and the requirements in ISA 315 related to understanding each of the individual components of internal control. And it was agreed that it is important that the existing audit risk model be retained. The board also provided really helpful feedback and input for the task force to consider related to the requirement in ISA 315 for the auditor to understand internal control. In the discussions related to significant risks, the board agreed to retain the concept of significant risk in ISA 315, that the definition of significant risk is circular and that the task force should explore revising the definition with a focus on the nature of the risk, and the proposed factors for the auditor to consider in the identification of inherent risk of complexity, ambiguity, change and uncertainty the board agreed that the task force should also consider whether the source of data and management bias should be added to those factors. On the topic of the proposal for the use of two filters in the identification of significant risks, the board was supportive of the task force continuing to explore this line of thinking. However, the board noted the need to be more clearly understand how the proposal might actually work in practice. With respect to the spectrum of risks discussions, the board was supportive of the task force continuing to explore the explicit inclusion in ISA 315 of a spectrum of risk, and at the same time cautioning the task force regarding possible consequences of this being an unnecessary additional complexity. So now the task force will take the feedback from this week's IAASB meeting into account as we progress our thinking in these areas and we will also bring task force recommendations to the December 2016 meeting on other issues identified in the project proposal. Thank you, Fiona. We look forward to your further efforts in this area as you move forward in developing the changes to ISA 315. Discussions about the other crossover projects of the IWSB culminated in the ITC issued last December. We were very pleased to receive 87 responses across a broad range of stakeholders. 
Megan, as chair of the Enhancements Working Group, could you please highlight the overall themes and the responses and provide some insights to the IWSB's thinking about how the projects can be progressed? Thanks, Bev. And as you noted, we were very pleased with all of the insightful and, inf and informative responses that we received. They contained a number of uh, different views and perspectives about the issues and the possible actions that we had set out in the ITC. I should also note that we did a lot of outreach around the around the ITC, including during the, the, the during the comment period. Um, a lot of what we heard in those outreach activities was echoed in the written responses, and, and many respondents provided obviously a lot more detail in their written responses. We did get a wide variety of responses, and, and not surprisingly, there were some very diverse views, and those views came both across the stakeholder groups as well as within stakeholder groups. Uh, so, you know, lots of lots and lots of stuff for us to, to think about and consider as we move forward. Some of the overall themes uh, of, the, of the feedback really across the projects were that the standards are not broken, uh, but it is important for the IWSB to be thinking about how we can make them adaptable and capable of being applied and used in a wide variety of circumstances. At the same time, however, we need to balance the needs of the various different stakeholders that, um, that, that we intend to, to use our standards, uh, recognizing that different types of auditors might have different types of needs, and we need to be cognizant of, of those. So we really need to think about how they can also be made fit for purpose to respond to the ever-evolving environment. So it was noted that the entities being audited continue to evolve, as well as the firms that audit them. And it's important for us to think about that as we, as we um, develop our standards. Annette will talk next about the responses to professional skepticism and the way forward on that topic. So let me talk a little bit about quality control and group audits. Uh, in relation to quality control, in the responses we heard support from our respondents for investigating the um, development of what we've called a QMA or a quality management approach at the firm level. So again, weighing up the various different needs of all the stakeholders, and, and in particular the scalability of the standard, the board this week discussed some innovative ways to address some of the issues that have been raised, and in particular, in particular trying to brainstorm some ideas around how we can make ISQC1 scalable. I think we heard a lot from our board members, lots of questions, lots of issues on the table, and the working group will now continue to, to think through what is a good way to uh, develop out the QMA and deal with all of our issues. I think we got we did we largely heard support for um, from our stakeholders to revise ISQC1 using this QMA, but different people had different ideas on how to achieve the scalability. Stakeholders in our board also supported the development of a new standard to address the issues related to using other auditors in an audit when it's not clear that you're actually in the scope of ISA 600. So in other words, the, entity, the audit is not an audit of group financial statements. So we discussed how, the new, how developing a new standard that was um, directed at using, at, at using work of other auditors or using other auditors would help in the auditor's consideration about appropriate management of quality at the engagement level. So this, and it was also noted that if we did this, it would form the basis for uh, what group auditors might think about when involving component auditors. So it would have a trickle-down or ripple-down effect into what we might do with ISA 600. The board also agreed to uh, splitting up our quality control working group into two more nimble groups who would then be able to focus on different issues relating to quality control. So we are going to now have a QMA subgroup and then an other quality control issues subgroup, and these two groups will work together so that we can try to be nimble in, in moving forward and dealing with all of the, um, the issues that we have on the table.
We also had more in-depth discussions about aspects of engagement quality control review, and the working group brought to the board discussion uh, a number of issues where there wasn't a clear consensus uh, from the responses that we received from our ITC. So we debated a, a variety of different things this week. We looked at whether the requirement for an EQC review should be extended beyond audits of listed entities. I think our board told us that they didn't think it would be appropriate for this to be a re prescriptive requirement um, and maybe extend to PIES, for example, uh, renoting the difficulty of uh, defining PIES or public interest entities on a global basis. We heard support for a risk-based approach uh, supported by robust criteria and that really should focus on the impact on the public interest or the public interest uh, implications of a particular engagement. The board also agreed that it was important to be clear about the objective of a review. We heard consensus from our board that the EQC review is a firm level control, but it was noted that it is performed or executed at the engagement level, so it would be important to acknowledge that in a revised standard. We also looked a little bit at the current focus of EQC reviews, and the board was, was of the view that the focus on significant judgments was appropriate, but that it was also important to think about things like timing and noting that significant judgments may be made throughout the engagement and not just at the end. We discussed also criteria for the eligibility of the EQC reviewer, uh, noting the importance of the authority or the professional respect of the EQC reviewer. And there was also a caution, however, that any requirements that we draft should not be too, too onerous, resulting in a restriction on the availability of, of EQC reviewers. We talked a bit about the issue of a cooling off period. Um, in other words, a, a period that, that might be specified between serving as an engagement partner on the audit and then performing the role of the EQC reviewer. The board provided a couple of different suggestions for the working group to consider, um, and, and the, the group will go back and think about how to incorporate that as we move forward. With regards to the proposal to introduce a separate standard addressing EQC reviews, the board also concurred that this be explored at a later stage. In other words, told the working group to focus on the substance of the requirements rather than the form, and that we would come back at a later stage to think about whether we do need a separate standard. And then we also had a little bit of a discussion on, on group audits. The group audits working group brought a, a specific issue around the, um, really what I would call the scoping of the of ISIS 600 and the importance of uh, really emphasizing the linkage back to ISIS, 3, ISIS 315 and the risk assessment process and making sure that in, in scoping and planning out the work, appropriate focus was given to making sure that th the plan was going to result in sufficient appropriate audit evidence addressing the risks at the group level. So we talked about putting more emphasis on what I would call a horizontal scoping, in other words, across the line items, in addition to the current focus on, on components and the work effort. The board also raised the importance of, of, of thinking about all of that in the context of aggregation risk and underscored also what we had talked about in the ITC about component materiality. And we heard from our respondents that, that, that there was a need for some additional guidance to be developed. So looking ahead to December, the working groups will uh, continue to move forward. Uh, the QMA subgroup will try to put what I would call the bones of the standard together so that we can have a good discussion in December about what the, what the QMA might start to look like. And then the crossover group will look, do, do something similar with respect to the new standard on using um, other auditors. And we plan to obviously have a discussion about that in, in December as well. We'll also be bringing the project proposals for uh, group audits and, um, and quality control for approval. So Bev, with that, back to you. 
Thank you, Megan. Part of the ITC was also discussion about professional skepticism. I'll now turn to Annette to update us about the board's discussions about this very important topic. Thank you, Bev. Yes, I had the pleasure to introduce the agenda item on professional skepticism. Uh, Richard Fleck, Deputy Chair of IESBA and uh, member of the uh, Professional Skepticism Working Group, also attended the session by teleconference to share IESBA-related feedback with the board, as well as to present the agenda item on a what we call professional skepticism strawman. From the board discussion, it was apparent that the concept of professional skepticism is very fundamental to the audit and to other standard-setting bodies, uh, namely IESBA and the uh, Education Standards Board. The uh, board members agreed the following. Continued coordination among the three standard-setting bodies and the work of the uh, joint working group continued support for the current IASB projects, in particular ISO 540, ISO 315, quality control and group audits. Support to commence information gathering on a project related to audit evidence, that is ISO 500 and audit documentation, that's uh, ISO 230. Support for the concept of a thought piece, feedback statement or other brief publication to give prominence to the work of the joint working group. And Richard Fleck presented uh, ISA, uh, agenda item 8C to the board. Feedback from the IASB board members focused on suggestions uh, and discussions around implications of the IASBA strawman, and in particular the extension of professional skepticism beyond assurance engagements. And they thought that um, particular appropriate discussions should be given the appropriate amount of time and attention before IASBA goes forward with standard setting. For the December board meeting, the Professional Skepticism Working Group will report back to the board on the status of IASBA work, as well as provide a potential draft outline of the thought piece or feedback statements that I mentioned earlier. In addition, the working group will report back to the board on its progress in dealing with the relationship between the fundamental principles of the code of ethics and independence and the concept of professional skepticism. Back to you. Thank you, Annette. Um, we are also consulting on our work plan for 2017 to 2018, and we plan to finalize this at our December IASB meeting. As part of these considerations, we'll also be thinking a little bit about the timing of all these projects and the work that we're going to be doing going forward. Lastly, I'd like to turn to Ron um, to perhaps talk us through some of the discussions and the timing for um, the discussion paper about agreed upon procedures. Ron. Thank you, Bev. Yesterday, the board reviewed a, a draft discussion paper dealing with agreed-upon procedures. As the chair of the group working on the project, I presented a, a draft of the discussion paper. Over the summer, the working group had incorporated many improvements to the paper in response to uh, suggestions made by the board uh, in June. Uh, the main changes related to the clarification of the role of professional judgment in agreed-upon procedure engagements, and uh, linking the issue of independence with that of uh, professional judgment. Yesterday, the board indicated that the modifications had improved the discussion paper significantly. 
Board members uh, liked the readability and clarity of the paper. They also expressed support for the project, given its importance to the SMP community primarily, but that among others. The board discussed uh, many other ways to further enhance uh, the paper. The discussions uh, once again focused on the use and the role of professional judgment in an agreed upon procedures engagement and uh, asked uh, the working group to clarify the concept further, which of course uh, the working group will do. Uh, the board also suggested to uh, improve the, uh, the questions, uh, to make them more open, to add new questions and clarify the linkages between the topics included in the discussion paper. I am pleased to report that subject to the changes suggested, the board agreed to finalize and publish the discussion paper after final approval by the steering committee. We expect to release the document by the end of November 2016. Thank you, Bev. Thank you, Ron. Arnold, um, I'll turn to you for any final remarks before we conclude this podcast. Well, maybe one comment on uh, changes in this board. As we just received the confirmation of the approval by the Public Interest Oversight Board of the changes into the board. And being in this part of the world in Hong Kong, um, it's interesting to note that whereas Madame Calsal from Australia will be leaving us, there will be a new, as you call it, public member slash non-practitioner coming in, being uh, Lynn Provost from New Zealand. And the other practitioner that is leaving us is Jean Blascos from France, and he will be replaced by Len Zui from China. Um, three board members have been reappointed, which is also positive, but I would like to conclude with congratulating Megan Seatsman as she has been appointed as the new deputy chair for 2017. That's it. Thank you, Arnold. The RWSB's next physical meeting will be held the 5th to the 9th of December in New York. The board will also hold a, te a teleconference at the beginning of November. At the December meeting, we will consider a broad range of issues um, and have discussions related to ISA 540, ISA 315. We'll have the project proposals for quality control and group audits. Um, with regard to quality control, we'll be looking a little bit more at a detailed outline of what a QMA could look like, as well as discussion about specific aspects of quality control. We will also be bringing an outline of a new standard for using other auditors in an audit. With regard to professional skepticism, um, we'll be talking about the thought piece and an update on the IESBA discussions about strawman. We will have an ISB update, and we will also finalize our work plan for 2017 to 2018. The meetings are open, and members of the public may register as observers. Please register as early as possible for observer status for New York 2016 as registration closes two weeks prior to the start. For more information, please go to our website at www.iwsb.org. This concludes the podcast summary of the IWSB's September 2016 meeting. Meeting highlights and a full audio recording of the board discussions are also available on the IWSB website. Listeners can also follow us on Twitter at IWSB underscore news. Thank you for your time. <laughs>